If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's completely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm Jacob Brown, joining here with CJ Uri and Steve Cashin. This is a big pod this week. We've got college football championship week with the SEC championship, Pac-12, Big Ten, Big 12, Sun Belt. All of it is this weekend. There's some big games in the NFL. But more importantly, we got FAU this weekend in a bowl game in the uh, – so, CJ, let's start talking about this. First of all, how you doing? Let's talk about FAU in this bowl game. Doing well. I'm doing well. I'm, I'm very happy and pleased with the FAA athletic department and the bowl committee or whoever the hell does these uh, things. I've got no idea, but some people are paid to organize who plays where. So thank you to that person. Um, I'm happy that FAU football players are able to travel this year. That is very good. Last couple bowl games have been in Boca, staying in Boca. And with the bowl game protocols, I'm pretty sure they make those kids stay at a hotel whatever super bizarre that we've that we've played in our stadium but we've won our last two bowl games actually matter of fact FAU is undefeated in bowl games five and oh uh so this year they did a great job of letting the students the student athletes travel at the same time they did a really good job of of giving us an opponent that has um a little bit of group of five pedigree if not a lot Memphis, who's got recent success, everybody listening knows that last year Memphis was ranked very high. They went toe-to-toe with UCF. They are a very good group of five program with a great alumni base, and I think it's an awesome game. I think FAU needs to continue to schedule either AAC opponents in a bowl game or they need to or they need to set, uh, schedule Power Five. But the way to get into the AAC is say, hey, look, all these bowl games, all these games we've played against, against AAC opponents, we haven't lost. So get us into that conference. Uh, I know that there's a lot more than just beating um, opponents. There's a lot of alumni stuff that goes into it, money, attendance, whatever. But you got to start somewhere. So I'm proud of FAU uh, for doing that. And I'm very proud of the Boca Bowl for getting two college football teams that actually are really good. So last year you had FAU, SMU. That was a way juicier matchup than people realize. SMU was ranked pretty high at one point last year. And FAU had Kiffin last year. It, It was just a... Very good, very good matchup. Pat McAfee came down. Now this year you got BYU who had a bunch of national championship aspirations, college football playoff spot aspirations, and you got UCF who's like self-proclaimed like something every year. So I think it's awesome, and they're making the Boca Bowl even better, and that just means good things. If FAU ever wanted to stay home for the Boca Bowl, I'm sure that they would get an even better opponent. And a lot of that has to do with the location and the fact that Florida allows fans in the stands right now for COVID. And I'm sure BYU up in, I don't even know what state they're in. I'm Utah, sure, yeah. I'm pretty sure they've played in an empty bo- an empty stadium the entire year. So I think at that point, they're like, hey, we want to play somewhere where they're going to allow us to have fans. And then UCF's like, hey, that's three hours down, two and a half hours down the road in Boca. Like, we'll, we'll, take, a, we'll take a bus there. Let's do it. So I think it's awesome because then this way, if FAU's ever like, yo, we're staying in the Boca Bowl this year, um, they're going to get somebody good. So this is good. Uh, I'm happy with everything going down. How about you, Steve? 
Yeah, no, um, all the news uh, coming out this weekend about FAU uh, after a disappointing loss, but, uh, you know, still getting a good bowl game, a uh, good draw. I'm glad they're scheduling these opponents. Um, like you said, they're they're constantly playing AAC opponents these last three or four years. Um, going back a few years playing Navy, uh, Lane Kiffin's first game at FAU. I uh, played UCF the next year in a back-to-back, home-and-home. And then now, well, then they played SMU in the Boca Bowl dismantled them and now you're going toe-to-toe with memphis um in this bowl season so they're showing that they can hang around with these teams and i think they're legitimately looking at that conference if not joining i think scheduling a, a majority of their out-of-conference games with uh the american conference and which is good because they they constantly go up with these uh, power five group of five teams as well and they compete on a high level. So I like what they're doing here. Uh, not settling for less. They're traveling this year, getting away from the Boca Bowl, um, which is great. I want to see this team go and, and, and move across the country. It shows the bowl committee um, in years coming that, hey, we, we don't have to play in our home stadium. Let's go play in Alabama, North Carolina. I know a lot of bowl games have gotten scrapped this year, so um, they got to settle for playing in the, in the Montgomery Bowl. But uh, this is a big step for the FAU program itself. And um, I like what they're doing here. And if they can get a win against Memphis, that goes a long way. You finish the season six and three with the power, with a, a big uh, win over a group of five team in Memphis that has a lot of pedigree. They can score. They can move the ball around just like SMU last year. So, uh, you know, big, big, big matchup coming up here uh, on the 23rd. Uh, I think, I believe that's next Tuesday. So definitely be glued to the TV there. So a uh, big matchup. And, <laughs> Another thing, uh, Gator Nation, you can suck my balls. Uh, you made my weekend by losing. So uh, that was that that made my whole weekend, even though you know, Bucks won, everything happened. But that takes the cake of the whole weekend. Dude, I was I was um, sitting there on my phone, screwing around on the live bet screen. And, you know, I'm like, why? Spread, because I, I, I knew that LSU was going to come. They're playing um, – they're going to be playing the sixth-ranked team in the country, and they want to end the season on a high note. Like, they've had a crap season. Uh, this is their Super Bowl, so they're going to play this hard. Second, I'm like, they look, they look like they want to win this game way more than than, F, than FAU, than, than UF. So, I live bet the money line, too, and that was an unbelievable payout. So, hey, yeah, you, you made some money off that. Thank you getting, so getting much for the shoe out of the bar. throw. Shoe throw. Yeah, yeah, dude. Tab I only want to celebrate the bar. Steve, Steve tab on yeah. Me, no, that's no, that's, that's typical UF. That's typical UF, though. Like, hey, you know, their their team loses and they all just turn on everybody. City burns down. If you're wearing another team's shirt, you get jumped. <laughs> City sucks. Hate that school. Bunch of bums. Fucking Florida, man. You know, I'm I'm telling you though, I'm with you guys. It the thing to me with FAU in this bowl game. You look at it, and it's the committee saying, you know what, we're going to give FAU some respect here, give them that notice, because you know they haven't been in the top 25 yet, but it, at least to me it shows they're watching FAU. They see that FAU's up and coming, that they deserve these chances, and win or lose, it doesn't really matter because they're getting the experience. There's some guys that are going to be here next year and for the next number of years, and you know there's guys sitting on the sidelines, red shirt, recruits, they're looking at this now and they're saying, you know what? We have the chance to get in better bowl games over the next few years if we really start to prove ourselves. And, you know, the last few weeks, yeah, they were disappointing. 
but you know where to improve now. FAU knows, okay, we definitely need the quarterback situation figured out. We need this offense figured out. They know where to go from here. So to me, win or lose, it's just the experience that FAU is going to gain here. And and for Willie Taggart, too, getting these guys to believe in him, too, because we all we all know the storyline surrounding Taggart. You know, oh, this guy is not an X's and O's guy, blah, blah, blah. If he goes in this weekend, beats Memphis, these guys are going to have a lot of confidence in, in him going on the years forward. Yeah, and, and two – with that, you made a great point, is, is confidence after this game. And no matter what happens, if you, t- if you lose a close game, lose by a field goal, six points, whatever, you look what we have on the schedule next year, game one. We play Florida game one. And if you win this game, that'll go a long way into how you leapfrog into the next year. And it sucks this year that the first couple games got scrapped because you beat the doors off of SMU. And I think that team was ready to roll and get back on the field and play a a Minnesota team and travel and go play Georgia Southern. And that got taken away from them. Uh, It got delayed a few weeks because of COVID. But you win this game against Memphis, no matter what happens, even if it's close, you lose. That team spreads the ball out. They're, They're pretty much a power five offense. You win this game, it goes a long way for Taggart, the program, recruits, the whole 10 yards and you springboard into playing a Florida team at Florida next year, game one. And that will be a huge confidence boost to this young FAU team going into next year. Wait, is uh hey, CJ, I think you're on mute. I'd say the biggest thing with this, with this bowl game for FAU is it's it's you're on ESPN and and the thing is is FAU is always going to have that like appealing appealing look to to recruit to to transfers uh for for power five schools for for high-end g5 schools where kids are like you know what I need to get playing time FAU is always going to be at the top of, of their list and it's vice versa any FAU guys who clearly stand out and 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 can 100% has what it takes to play in high end P5 like Big 10 we've lost some guys to the ACC to Big 10 over the years that were later in their in their schooling um so it, for me I think the biggest thing here is it's like hey get on ESPN it's a 7:30 primetime slot on December 23rd dude show out kick Memphis's ass and you're, I'm promise you, just off that game alone, you'll have more and more guys who enter the transfer portal go. That defense is badass. I can be the quarterback there. Yeah, I got a great defense. There's some great running backs there. There's a young O line who's getting better. <laughs> always have athletes. I can play football there. Or hey, I want to transfer. I'm a wide receiver. Like all that team needs is a little bit of juice on offense, and they're like ready to roll next year. So to, to Steve's point. This is exactly like this game, like throw, like throw out what you did this year. Mm-hmm. Like we were on CBS sports network a lot. And I was, I was very appreciative of that. Like that was awesome. Like no matter who you were, you, you were, you were able to watch that game. If you wanted to watch that game, uh, we played on ESPN at one point this year. So for a lot of the, for most of the games this year, we played on live TV, right? That's a huge change for FAU because they're getting more and more recognition. So, so what Steve is saying Throw out, like, for me, like, throw out what you did this year. This is the bowl game. This is the game against an AAC opponent. Show the transfers. Show the college football world you mean business so that exactly what Steve saying, this is what's going to leapfrog you, springboard you into this offseason 
into the workouts, into the transfer portal, into Willie Taggart's recruiting, into what FAU football is about so that you can go into the swamp next year and potentially steal one. Because I personally believe that the Gators are going to be in shambles next year. First week. I don't think FAU like, like they scheduled FAU a while ago for this first, for this first game. Right. So they didn't know what FAU was going to turn into under Lane Kiffin. This game was scheduled before Lane even got to, to, to FAU. So it's like, Hey, Lane got there. They turned into a pretty legit group of five program. Oh, wow. Lane actually won two championships there. And then they ended up getting Willie Taggart. Who's an even more exceptional recruiter than Lane is. So it's like, this is, this is not a game that you have sitting there like, Hey, you know, we play university of Hawaii week one and let's just trot out the first stringers for the first quarter. Second. Like, I think it's going to be a legit game if they get the right quarterback transfer in. So yep. to what Steve's to what to the point Steve's making, this game is what starts it all for this off season. Like this is like your, who are we and who are we going to get? So this is a huge game. I hope that I, I'm praying to God that we go in there and, and like just go berserk because, because we absolutely need some transfers and we're not going to get them. If it looks like we suck on prime time. Hey, I'm telling you, if, if FAU finds a way to beat Florida, if you're a Florida fan, I don't think you're going to want to listen to this pod because Steve's going to be pretty insufferable. Well, I, dude, if, I don't think you're going to. I don't. We beat, I don't think you're going to want to see uh, me out in Gainesville. They've found that well because we're going to be there. The boys are going to roll up if they oh, yeah. win. I don't think you want to run into me out there at all. For sure, Airbnb. I mean, I'll be two years removed from college, but we're getting an Airbnb and and we're going to get absolutely rowdy at some uh, Airbnb and we'll tailgate, go to the game. Oh my, oh my gosh, it's going to be. Be no, fun. I'll tell you right now, if FAU beat Florida, I don't care what. I don't care what happens in my FAU football life. Like It will be it, – it'll be good. Like, it's over. It'll be, it's yeah, it'll be cemented. It'll be like going into the swamp and just ruining their playoff hopes week one. Dude, dude. Yeah, but just... dude, um, but Willie – like 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 Willie getting that dub? Yeah, I know. Like he flips the middle finger to FSU Nation – because yeah. they they canned him like crazy. They still owe him money, so he could just do this to them and do the chomp at the same time. And then <laughs> he looks at UF. He's like, "Enjoy that no playoff spot this year." And then he looks at FAU Nation and say, "Build me a damn statue outside the stadium because he says we should." Yeah. And it's a big fuck you to Lane Kiffin too. Back, like, see you left, and this program's still rolling. You stupid ass. Yeah, and now you're, you're five, not- and you're five hundred at Ole Miss. <laughs> Yeah, but right. hey, hey, come to the sip. We we have 600 yards of offense, but we give up 550. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god. Hey, we got a lot of other good games though this weekend. We got the Pac-12 Championship, Oregon and USC. I don't think anyone really gives a shit about this game because the Pac-12 was completely irrelevant this year. Uh, but who's going to win? I, I mean, USC's ranked number 13 overall. They were 5 and 0. They're also playing the Pac-12 though, so I don't know why they're ranked that high. Maybe it's just out of respect. Uh, but I will say, good for USC because they've been for years now struggling, lots of drama uh, in the uh, administrative part of, of, of that uh, school. They've had a lot of problems over the last few years. So just to be 5-0 and in the Pac-12 championship is huge for this program. Uh, I don't know if they win. I think it's tough to go 6-0 and against your own conference. Uh, but the line is minus three USC. Who do you guys think is going to win? I like Oregon in this game a lot. I really do. I look at I'm looking at USC's record, and they could easily be three and two or four and two, just like Oregon. Uh, they squeaked away a couple games. They beat Arizona State by one. Uh, they beat Arizona by three. 
who just got beat by 70 points. Uh, so there are some couple close games at the end. They had a rally and beat U- uh, UCLA this past weekend. And, and Oregon, I think, laid the uh, they kind of shit the bed the last couple weeks against Oregon State and Cal. They've had a few weeks off. They're fresh. I'm looking at their – comparing the two teams as well, they score the same amount of points per game. They allow the same points per game. So it's going to be a tight game. I think it's going to go back and forth. I think you definitely hit the over on this game. I think it's over 60. Um, it's going to be an exciting one. Oregon, I think, are, is disappointing. They lost two games in a row. They should be undefeated. I think this is the Pac-12 championship that they envisioned to start with. So I think it's going to be a great game. Um, I'm, but I'm going to take Oregon here and knocking off uh, Southern Cal. Yeah, this game is really good for the Pac-12. Uh, the reason why I say that is, is you're going to have two storied programs in the Pac-12 championship, uh, whereas before, you know, USC has been kind of in the dump for a while now, and, you know, you've had your Oregon always there, but who were they playing? <coughs> so I believe that this game is very good for the Pac-12. They are a Power 5 program, but outside of about four teams i don't think the casual college football co- uh, college college football fan could name the rest of the teams in pac 12 so now on tv you have oregon who's a storied program versus an even one of the most if not the most storied program in college football historically usc uh, but i'm going to take the trojans in this game i like the defense for usc more than i like oregon's defense that stuff matters big time and i do like slovis more than i like the oregon Oregon quarterback because I can't name him right now and um I just believe that this is USC is USC is going to win this game they're going to get back to the Pac-12 dominant form that they have been for the better part of 100 years um and I think that they're going to get this dub and I think it's a signature win all I know is, is that USC locker room is looking at it like like we need to be back and this is our we are back game in the Pac-12 this is our hey next year rank us in the top 10 preseason top 15 preseason we're going to be there for a playoff spot because we're going to win out in Pac-12 and we're going to win this championship. This is the game. And this is where Slovis, Keaton Slovis says, I'm the USC quarterback. I'm here to stay. I got two more years left. We're going for it all in these two years. So I'm going to go USC. I do agree, though, the over looks pretty enticing, but I wouldn't be too fast on that. I like USC's defense a lot. I would take, if anything, the first half over because I do believe that the first and second quarter will be very open defensive adjustments at the second half. All right, so we got uh, those picks in there. We got uh, Oklahoma and Iowa State in the Big 12 championship. I just looked at that, and I saw Iowa State ranked number six. Like, where are we right now? Why is that the case? But nonetheless, the Big 12 championship. Um, I'm going Oklahoma. I, I just think Iowa State, they're ranked a little high. They're probably on a high horse right now. Oklahoma knows how to play in these big games. I'm going Oklahoma. Yeah, I like this game's tough because they this is a rematch of of week four in the season. And I think Oklahoma kind of let one slip there. They were ahead all game. Then Iowa State comes creeping back in the game, get a couple turnovers late. And Oklahoma couldn't find a way to get back on track. Uh, I think it's tough to be a team twice in the same year. Oklahoma is playing good football right now. They're scoring a ton of points. Uh, they beat the doors off of Oklahoma State in their uh, in Bedlam. So I'm going to go with Oklahoma in this game. Uh, I think it's going to be close. It's going to be back and forth. Uh, I think Oklahoma takes it, takes the cake. Uh, you know, last five minutes of the game, I think they pull away, win by 10 points. So they'll cover in the spread, I think. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Iowa State here. Uh, I like Iowa State because this Oklahoma team doesn't have that DNA in them like they used to 
with um, not playing down. Well, they've always, even with Kyler Murray and even with um, Baker Mayfield, they always played down to their opponent. Um, and I always, there were games where you're just like, what's going on here? Why is this a game? And now you've lost the Jalen Hurts's and you've lost the Kyler Murray's and the Baker Mayfield's and the, and the Murray's on the at linebacker and, you know, other pieces, the O-line that's this year was not very, was not good one bit for um, the, the, uh, the Sooners. It was, a, it was not a good year one, one bit. So I think that they go into this bowl game. They don't have that DNA. That's like, Hey, we're Oklahoma. We're going to curb stomp the, the Cyclones here and get this championship. I don't think it's there anymore. I feel like this team rolls over real easy at the beginning of the games. I think they get down and it's like, who's going to, who's going to be our guy to bring us back. It's not Spencer Rattler. I don't believe it's anybody. There's no leaders on that defense. So I'm going to go with uh, Brock Purdy and the Iowa state Cyclones here to give them some old man ball because that team's got way more four years or three year guys on that team than Oklahoma ever will. So I'm going to go ahead with Cyclones to cap off some of these seniors, these juniors college football careers with a big dub over Oklahoma. Yeah, right. I do like Iowa State's I do like Iowa State's defense a lot though. I, I think the only reason I'm picking Oklahoma in this game is just because they play each other this year. I think it's hard to beat them twice, but the first quarter is gonna be very telling in that game. If Iowa State comes out and it's it's a ten it's ten nothing Iowa State or ten three going into the midway second quarter, it's gonna be a defensive shootout and I like Iowa State's chances if they keep the game close going into halftime. All right, so we got we're going to do some rapid fire ones for the lower lower level ones. The MAC championship game, Ball State and Buffalo. Line is minus thirteen and a half. Buffalo. I think it'd be safe to assume they're undefeated. Buffalo is probably taking that one home. Uh, then we got the Conference USA championship. We talked a lot about FAU. They're not in the Conference USA championship. It's UAB and Marshall. Marshall's been ranked. The line is minus five and a half. Marshall. I'm going them in the Conference USA championship. What about you guys? I'm taking uh, yeah, I'm taking Marshall. I, I just I can't bet against them. Uh, UAB's offense too stagnant. Uh, too, I think muster something against Marshall. I think Marshall's gonna be pissed off after losing to Rice. So I'll take uh, I'll take Marshall in this one, big. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and go with UAB here. Um, in these games, when you have a, a team that should win, it's always the other team's Super Bowl, and as you saw, Marshall got on that emotional high of being ranked and, and, and having a season where Marshall football was kind of back. They're, they're, a, they're a historic program in the, in the NCAA as well. Um, but here's the thing. They got, they got shut out to Rice. They didn't play last week because they had COVID, quote, unquote. But it seems like all these people, who all these players are, are totally good to play after this extremely lame two-week quarantine that I hear all over the news that you have to have because it was only about an eight-day quarantine for those guys. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> I don't understand what the whole COVID protocol was with Marshall because if they really had an outbreak, then I don't think that they're ready to play on uh, Saturday. But, hey, I hope that they all stay healthy and they're okay. But I'm going to go with UAB here because this is their Super Bowl. They know that Marshall's beatable and – I think that this is – I think Marshall, unfortunately, gets exposed once again. Mountain West Championship, we got Boise State and San Jose State. San Jose State's ranked, whatever. Boise State got their shit kicked in by BYU. 
they're not going to lose this game to San Jose State. When have you ever heard San Jose State in a big game like this? I got Boise State, honestly, in a blowout in this game. They, they're, they've, they're just more of a program. They're routinely ranked. Uh, they know how to win. I'm going to go with Boise State in that game. What about you guys? Uh, I think, Steve, your sound's off now, too. Uh, there we go. Yeah, we're good. Uh, this is a coin flip game for me. I like San Jose State can play some defense. I've watched a couple of their games this year, believe it or not. Uh, Boise State can score points, but you know, they've gotten beat by some you know, inferior opponents. So I'm going to go San Jose State here. I'll go Ooh, against, okay. the, against the green. I'll, they're ranked. I uh, think they'll be riding some momentum. And, hey, I'll go San Jose State here. Yeah, I'm going to also go San Jose State here. But um, I would like to say that when they did get blown out by BYU, uh, Boise State's uh, starting quarterback was – uh, I left the game for the for the rest of the game in the first quarter. So they got a really, really, really bad luck there. Um, and I think Boise State's better than people realize, but I will go San Jose State because once again, these smaller schools, when there's a when there's a bigger, a bigger, more known school, you're playing against some of these bowl games, the other team, it's their Super Bowl. I've said that yeah. like five times on the show now, so I'm gonna stop saying it by now. But <laughs> It is. This is like San Jose State's like, hey, let's get Boise State because they've won all those conference championships for so long. So, hey, we're going to take it from them this year and we're going to play our tails off. So I believe that this is a San Jose State win. AAC championship. We got Tulsa number 23 against Cincinnati number nine. Cincinnati all day. Yep, Cincinnati. Cincinnati rolls. All right, so what's the next one we're going to do here? Yeah, I guess. Oh, Sunbelt. We got Louisiana and Coastal Carolina. This one's really tough for me. I mean, I think Coastal Carolina is the better team, clearly. Uh, they're 11-0, but they're also 11-0. You're going to lose at some point. I'm really conflicted. I want to hear what you guys say first. Do you got Louisiana number 19, Coastal Carolina number 12? Coastal Carolina, the line is minus three and a half right now. Ooh, yeah. I like Louisiana in this game a lot. Okay. Just because they met, they met each other in the week before uh, earlier this year. Uh, I believe Coastal won by a field goal. Let me double check on this one. And last week they had to come back against a, a pretty you know average Troy team. They they needed a last second drive to come all the way back and and ultimately win that game. Um, and yeah, they did. They beat Louisiana thirty to twenty seven at Louisiana earlier this year. So um, I really liked Cajuns here. Uh, I I. Liked Coastal until they disrespected Zach Wilson and they, you know, they jumped him middle of the game. Um, I, they're going down big time. I think Louisiana isn't in the upset here. What about you, Siege? No, nah, I'm going to go ahead, Coastal Carolina. Um, I don't, I don't even know what what the what the spread is going to end up being at game time, but I would take it regardless. All right, so you know what? I'm going to go Coastal, too. I think they go undefeated. It's a magical year for them, and uh, they're going to find a way to win. So now we got to the good games. Uh, we got the SEC championship. This doesn't matter as much as it should have mattered because if Florida hadn't lost LSU, we'd be talking about, oh, this might have some big, big implications. The only thing this can really do – I mean, even if Bama loses, they're not going to miss the playoffs with one loss, I don't think. Uh, maybe they do, maybe they don't. I don't, I don't see them losing, uh, leaving out Bama, but I also don't see a way that Florida wins this game at all. Bama wins big. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be glued to the TV watching this game. I hope, I mean, if Bama could score hundred points, 
I would certainly openly welcome that. Um, but I think the fi- I said final score on, before we got on the pod. I think 56 to 20, 56 to 17, somewhere along the lines. I think if Florida fucks around in the first half, they're not careful. It'll be like 38 to three at half. I really do. I just don't don't see them being in this game. I really don't. Alabama's got a ton of weapons. I like their defense a lot. It's gotten better throughout the year. Uh, Bama big here. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, like I said, I don't really believe that Florida uh, is going to win this game. I think that Bama is going to win by three scores of any kind. I don't know <clears throat> what three scores those will be. But, you know, at the end of the day, I know we're kicking Florida when they're down, and I, and I enjoy kicking Florida when they're down. Um, this is still a team with a Heisman Trophy uh, front runner at their, as their quarterback. This is still a team with a top 15 pick at tight end. This is still a team that has a good O-line and has some great pieces at running back. So they are going to score. So who knows if Dan Mullen can even remotely figure out that defense. I doubt it. So I'm going to go ahead and say that this is my final prediction for this game. I think that the game gets way too far away from Florida by the end of the third quarter. I think that this is going to be about a 45 to 25 win for Bama and FAU or FAU UF will fight valiantly valiantly for about the better part of three quarters. And then that fourth quarter is going to roll around. It's going to be too much for them. All right. So this is a bit of a fluke championship game. You got Northwestern Ohio state. The line is literally minus 20 and a half Ohio state. I don't think we need to spend much time on this one. Ohio state's got it in the bag. Yeah, I, I think they roll pretty big. They're getting some disrespect, how they shouldn't be in the playoff. Uh, only way I see this game being close is if Justin Fields turns the ball over like he did in the Indiana game and Northwestern can play really good defense, get a couple short fields. But, you know, it can be cupcakes and rainbows um, in fantasy land. But I, I, I just don't see how this game's anywhere close. Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead with Ohio State's going to win the game. I think it's going to be closer than people realize. I will take the Northwestern spread because their defense is legit. I, I will say, too, this is a huge period of time for Justin Fields. I don't know if his draft stock has necessarily fallen, uh, but he has not been talked about having the spectacular season like he did last year. You have the Zach Wilsons. You have all these other quarterbacks. Kyle Trask blowing people's minds right now. You got Justin Fields here saying before the season started, it was me and Trevor. He's got to really solidify himself as this guy. And I think this is a big game for him personally, this game and the playoffs. So I think this is a big time for him. Ohio State wins big. Uh, So this is really the biggest game of the weekend. Now we got Notre Dame and Clemson in the rematch in the ACC championship game. First of all, Notre Dame needs to find a way to stay in the ACC uh, because it's so annoying when they're not in a conference this actually shows, okay, you got to go through a conference now. You got to go through what everyone else has to go through in order to get to the playoffs. Now, I have heard even if uh, Notre Dame loses this game, they're still going to make the playoffs. We've said it the whole time. The final four is probably going to stay the same after this weekend. Uh, the line is minus 10 and a half, I believe, uh, in favor of Clemson. Trevor's back this time. I think Clemson wins. But can we talk about a scenario here? Can Clemson lose? I mean, if Clemson loses, that would blow the world on fire. There is definitely a world where they do lose. I really do. I've, I've been watching this Notre Dame team pretty close the last few weeks, and 
as much disrespect as they get for getting blown out in the playoff and this and that, I'm on the same boat. If they get blown out again, I don't think they should be in the playoff. But it's a pretty good football team. Ian Book, like him or not, he can run. He can distribute the ball. Um, Their running back, uh, Kyron Williams, is pretty damn good. I've heard that in – behind that offensive line, if they can distribute the ball around their playmakers and, and keep this game close, I think Clemson's going to start feeling the pressure a little bit. But at the same time, they, they went toe-to-toe without their best player and arguably one of the best players in college football. Uh, this is probably – that's what makes this game so intriguing to watch is we don't know how this is going to play out. Um, but I do think there's a world where Clemson does lose this game. If, if Notre Dame's defense can come out and make a few stops, get a couple turnovers – Get Clemson behind the eight ball. Clemson's gonna start feeling the pressure because they're not the team that has no losses. Notre Dame can is, can go out there and fly around and do whatever they want. Now the only way Notre Dame misses the playoffs is if Clemson comes out there and just absolutely beats the doors off them, like 60, 56 to ten, something along the lines of that. But I don't see that happening. I think it's a close game. I'll give the edge to Clemson as of right now. Yeah, I don't get the line either. I don't think it should be that wide open. I think it's going to be a field goal game, touchdown game, very close game. Um, I think that Notre Dame's going into this game are like realizing they're in the playoff because they've already beat Clemson. Um, I think that Clemson's going into this game saying, hey, I don't want Bama week one at the playoffs. I, I want to be at the two or the three seed here uh, so we can't afford another loss. I think Clemson rolls big in this one. I don't think it's much of a game, actually. Uh, this is also Clemson's revenge game, and you know Dabo. He didn't like he didn't like that loss to Notre Dame. He was upset after that. Uh, he did not like the way his defense played. He they did not back up their freshman quarterback, who had an unbelievable game away in South Bend. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say that this game will probably be like something like 36 to 20, um, Clemson. All right, so those are our picks for College Football Championship Weekend. All right, so now let's move on to the NFL. And we had some big stuff happening this weekend, a lot of stuff shuffling around standings-wise. Let's just talk about the Dolphins first in this AFC wildcard situation uh, with the Ravens and the Dolphins and all these other teams. Uh, You know, we were talking about it on the chat a few days ago. Uh, Here's the thing with the Dolphins and the Ravens. Looking at the schedules over the next three weeks, with the Ravens win over Cleveland, which first of all, nice win for Baltimore. I don't think this solidifies them as a great team. I think they had a good win. I think Lamar had a good win. I don't know if they're going to win any games in the playoffs or anything like that. The sad thing to me is because of Baltimore's schedule, they get, I believe, the Giants, Jacksonville, and Cincinnati. They're going to go 3-0 and and make the playoffs most likely. I don't see them losing any of those three games. The shitty part, though, is – they're not as good as the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are a better football team, and the only way for the Dolphins to make the playoffs, in my opinion at least, is for them to go 3-0 and because if they go 3-0, and they're in. Uh, you know, Also, what could happen, maybe you see some freako scenarios with the Titans and the Colts maybe losing games that they might not uh, normally lose. But to me, the only way for the Dolphins to make it is 3-0 and because the Ravens are going to go 3-0. and CJ, you're a Dolphins fan. How are you feeling about this? 
Uh, not particularly great. Uh, this might be a year in which a team can go 10 and six and not even get in. And they actually expanded the playoffs to seven teams uh, going forward in the NFL, not just for COVID, but for everything for every year. Um, this is, this is brutal. And I really just, I don't understand the scheduling here, how they gave Miami at the end of the year, Pats, Raiders, Chiefs, Bills as your last yeah. four games. I mean, God, it's not man, fair. That's just ridiculous. And the Ravens get, Jags, Giants, Bengals. It's just insane. And then I look at the Colts schedule, and the Colts schedule is also crap. So it's just it's it's brutal. It's really brutal. But here's the thing: if you're the Dolphins, you control your own destiny. If you win out, you win the tiebreaker against the Ravens. You win the tiebreaker against the Colts. If it was the Colts that you're that you're against, you win the tiebreaker. If you're it, you have to win out. And here's the thing that's on our side: if we can get by this week. With the with a win against the Patriots, which I fully expect us to do, um, I believe that we're going to be able to go into the Las, to, to Las Vegas and just and, and, and roll. And then if we can roll against Vegas, we'll probably go against the Bills. The, here's the big the biggest game of the of, of the next three games. Here's the biggest one. The biggest one is simply the Raiders game. I'm not saying that we need to look past the Pats. The Pats are going. The Pats will be a test, but I think we will beat the Patriots. So let's say that we beat the Patriots. I believe that the final week of the season, Buffalo Bills will be will be resting Josh Allen and a few other guys because they will have clinched the division, and they will have clinched a home game, and they won't and they won't be able to play for the first overall seed or the second overall seed, right? So here's the game that we need to think about: the Raiders, which got flexed to the Super Prime spot on Saturday night uh, at eight twenty. Yeah, so. I, I am scared. I am scared because I would love to see – I know everybody would love to see Tua in a playoff spot. And like you said, the Dolphins are a better team than the Ravens. It's just the Ravens' strength of schedule is <clears throat> bad. And it just shows you that Denver Broncos' loss was was brutal. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal. But I will say the Ravens have looked terrible this year against bad teams. And your Giants – I'm going to be the biggest Giants fan when you guys play the Giants because <laughs> you guys have played very well this year. You guys will be fighting for a playoff spot. That could be a game that you guys win. Um, so who knows, but gosh, it's, it's brutal. So it's, it's definitely scary. I, I do think that the dolphins will run the table. I do believe they'll go three, and know, I think the yeah. giants though, they, they returned a little bit to normalcy this weekend against Arizona. I think they had a little high there for a few weeks. They're like, Hey, we got this weird shot at the division for some reason we're in this. And then they go up against Arizona and they couldn't do anything on offense, nothing. And it's honestly concerning to me with Daniel Jones because they were winning without him. He comes back, the offense turns to shit. So I've been a long time person. I don't like Daniel Jones at all. I don't think he's the future. I don't think he wins you Super Bowls. I don't think he gets you division titles, especially now looking at the division and you're like, wait a second, Jalen Hurts might be legit. Dak's not leaving Dallas. You look at Washington, they're doing some weird stuff over there. You got Ron Rivera coaching really well. They're winning with Alex Smith. They're going to get someone better than Alex Smith eventually. I think the Giants, they're being run really well. I love Joe Judge. I think that's the best part of this year is that he's come over here. He has this mindset. He knows how to win. He's establishing a culture. He's a great X's and O's coach. Uh, I really like – he reminds me a lot of uh, Sean McDermott in Buffalo. You just know going into the game, you have a game plan. That's a lot of New England type of thinking that he has. But, yeah, the Giants return to normalcy. I don't think they beat Baltimore. They could, but I don't think they will. Uh, but uh, what do you think is going to happen with this AFC situation, Steve? 
Yeah, it's not kind of unfortunate for the Dolphins because I think they end up either eleven and five or ten and six. Uh, ten and six might not get in the playoffs, which would really suck because ten wins in the NFL, I should almost guarantee you a spot. Uh, that Ravens game was huge on Monday night. I I was I really thought Cleveland was going to come back and win that game. Uh, the Ravens really aren't a good football team after watching that whole that whole game. That's the first Ravens game I sat through the whole time, and I'm looking at this team going. They can only run the football. I texted yes. you guys that. And yes. they only run that that quarterback draw. It's it's basically a QB draw, halfback, halfback draw dive every time. And they spread it out and they look like they're gonna throw the football, which you gotta respect his ability to throw the football at some at certain points. But that Ravens team is one dimensional. It won't work in the playoffs. And I was talking to my brother about this. I'm saying I want to see two in the playoffs. I want to see a Dolphins team that can knock someone off and they're a good football team. The defense is legit in the playoffs over a Ravens team that I think it's balanced round one. Now looking at this Dolphins schedule, I think if you beat the Patriots, I think you're going to go into the, the bills game and it's going to cut. That's your season right there. I think the Patriots are looking at it one way thinking, Hey, we can go nine and seven. We lost Brady. Everyone thought we we're going to be shit this year. I think that's the sleeper game that I think the Dolphins have to look out for because that team's going to be playing for something. I think they want to win out and finish the season nine and seven. Um, I think the Raiders for, for the Dolphins, I think that game, I know CJ, that, that scares you, but I think the Raiders are also one dimensional. They want to run the ball a ton. I think if you get ahead of the chains there, you win that game. I think it's a showdown ultimately against the bills at the end. So, um, it's going to be a tight race, but the NFL, if we learn one thing, it's the most unpredictable sport week in and week out. You just don't know what can happen. The giants could beat the Ravens. The Ravens could lose to the bang. I mean, unlikely, but we've seen crazier thing happen. Uh, the, the, the football team beat the Steelers. So it's just so much ambiguity that goes on week in and week out that I, I do like Miami's chances. Uh, they have a good defense. If they went out, they're in, they control their own destiny. Um, and that's in the bottom line. Yeah. And that's the shittiest part is that Washington's in the playoffs and, and or whoever wins the NFC East is in, and you're going to have Miami sitting there like, God damn, man. I mean, if we were in the NFC East, we'd be, I mean, we'd be in the playoffs automatically. So it just sucks where they're placed. But regardless, this Dolphins team, they've got a bright future. Uh, what I will say about Baltimore, I was i was saying the same thing when I was watching that game. Uh, and Brian Grease said it, uh, one of the color guys on Monday Night Football. He's like, defenses have figured out Lamar. Plug up the middle of the field and Lamar is done. I mean, he can't throw these precise throws in the middle of the field. He's got to have wide open guys. I mean, I love how he came back in the game after he had to take a shit and he had to come back in the game and he threw that touchdown pass right when he got back. But why did that happen? He got space and the guy was wide open at the end of the day. That's really what happened. It wasn't really skill necessarily. necessarily. It was a lob pass that just happened to be, and it was a miracle. So that's not me looking at it and say, oh, Lamar had a deep pass touchdown. He's got stuff to work on. If you plug up the middle of the field, you basically stop Lamar. And that's what I've been saying all year. Last year, he had a great year. Defenses over the offseason, they got to look at the tape and they said, this is what we got to do to stop Lamar. And they figured it out. And somehow, some way, they might make the playoffs. I hope they don't, but we'll see. And by the way, about Cleveland, I got to be the first to admit it. Baker Mayfield, he's impressing me now. He had a basically the whole season, you're like, Baker's not the guy. He limits this Browns team. And now for the first time I look at Baker and he's kind of got this fuck you attitude. Like, dude, we're nine and four. We might have 10, 11, 12 wins, whatever we end up with. We're legit. We got a top five defense. We've got offensive weapons. 
This Cleveland Browns team is legit. I, I respect Baker Mayfield a lot more now. Um, just to backtrack real quick about the Lamar thing, I do believe that people are extremely overcritical of his arm talent. Um, people don't realize that his passer rating is in the 90s. His completion percentage is pretty darn good. Um, he is making better throws this year because he is forced to. So to your credit, Jacob, yes, they are figuring out how to play against his strengths, which is running the ball. So what, so what he's having to do is, is actually throw the ball. And I actually think he's done a decent job throwing it. I find his O-line to be really bad. I don't like his receiving core. That is true. Yeah. Hollywood Brown will will subtweet the whole locker room saying he doesn't get the ball enough. And then (laughs) when he's thrown the ball, he drops it four times a game. Not good. Mark Andrews, outside of Mark Andrews, I'm not a fan of really anybody that they have on the um, offensive side of the ball. Hello, Hello, Jacob's brother. Yeah, my brother's behind me now. Hey, Zachary, what do you think about Lamar Jackson? Oh, shut up. Go away. All right. So, uh, yeah, no, I agree with what you were saying. I mean, it is true. There's no receivers over there in Baltimore. You got Marquise and Mark Andrews. There's no one over there. They do need to get him weapons, that's for sure. So it is kind of unfair to judge Lamar's arm when he's got no one to throw it to. Yeah, but anyway, I actually, now that I look at the Browns' schedule, so the Browns are 9-4, and four, and I feel like the mentality over there is that they've basically made the playoffs, right? They play the Giants this week, which is a tough game. The Giants need to win this game to stay in the hunt in the in the division. The, the Washington football team plays the Seahawks. So if the Giants can get a win, then and the Seahawks beat the Washington football team, the Giants are back in, in at the top seed in the um in the in the division because they beat the Seahawks. So they have the tiebreaker over over Washington, right? So yeah. Browns then play the Jets. That's obviously a win. But then the Browns play the Steelers. And that game at the end of the at the end of the season might be a game where the Steelers have to win to get the first seed. So the Browns could lose two of their next three. That is true. I think they're going to lose to the Steelers on on that final Sunday. So there's a lot going on, but yeah, the Dolphins just need to win out. All these teams need to win out, really, because I don't think that they're yeah. going to be able to prevent any of these other teams to stop winning. All these teams are good football teams. Yeah, it's the best part of the NFL season. This the last three weeks is like there's so many moving parts, so many clinching scenarios. This is like you wait all year for this now. Like every team, whatever your team is, you're somehow some way in it. So uh, it'll be exciting to see. Uh, I, I do want Cleveland to, to make a run because I do – they deserve after a lot of heartbreak I want to see them, you know, finish with 10, 11. Well, they're going to finish with 10 wins, at least 11, 12 wins would be amazing for that team. So, yeah, I, I totally, totally, totally agree. I, I'm a, I'm a fan of the Browns right now. Like, like I like what they got going on. I think they need to invest some money into their, into their secondary and their linebacking uh, court. But I, I like I think Baker Mayfield's matured. I think he's starting to hit his stride and I love the run game and the O-line's sick. So, hey, and Harrison Bryant got a shout-out on uh, on uh, the herd yesterday. I was in the car. Hey. And uh, he was just basically – he didn't even say – Colin didn't say his name, but he was just basically saying, like, you know, why do they need Austin Hooper when they literally drafted the Mackey Award winner last year out of FAU? And I was like, that was sick. So, that is cool. I had to hear our name on Colin Coward's show. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that was, that was cool. But, yeah, I, in terms of the AFC, the AFC finish is going to be crazy. I don't know to – I think the NFC is a bit more solidified than the AFC. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the NFC right now, and you look at the playoffs. You got Arizona right there on the outside. 
or no, they're in it right now and you got Minnesota behind them. I, it's pretty much locked up. I don't see Minnesota doing it. Although you look at Arizona's schedule, I'm going to look at it right now. They have the Eagles this weekend. And I got to say the Eagles, I think about them totally differently. Now Jalen hurts impressed me a lot this weekend. You can't just walk into the Eagles now and say, we definitely got this. Uh, especially with some of the games that Arizona's lost this year. They lost to New England a few weeks ago in a game they probably should have won. Uh, and then you get the 49ers and the Rams. So it's not like the 49 the, the, the Cardinals haven't made here. They've got to really concentrate in these next few weeks. Uh, but I just don't see Minnesota. They're 6-7, and seven, Arizona 7-6. Seven and six. They have a little bit more ground to make up, so I don't see it happening. Uh, but let's look at this weekend so, because we got a lot of great games. Uh, we've got – let me see – yeah, let's just talk about this one. We got Chiefs and Saints. For some reason, it's not Sunday Night Football. That's Browns and Giants this weekend, but it's the 425 slot on CBS. Chiefs, Saints, big game. Breeze probably not playing, so I think the Chiefs are probably going to handle this one. Yeah, I think that <clears throat> there's some rumblings that Saints might make a quarterback change this week. Uh, obviously, Drew Breeze is not 100%. Um, they might make the move to Jameis Winston um, with the their offense has kind of been sluggish the last few weeks other than playing the decimated COVID Broncos um, with the practice squad QB and uh, the offense is scoring about 15 points a game uh, the last few weeks. So I think you got to go with Jameis Winston, throw the ball around. Obviously, Taysom Hill is dynamic, but I think Jameis can get the ball deep, move the ball quick. If he doesn't turn the ball over um, in this game, I do think the Chiefs roll. Uh, I, I think the Saints are on the downtrend right now. Uh, obviously, without, without Breeze, things have been more complicated, but the Chiefs just find a way to win football games. And watching Mahomes and Kelsey and uh, Hill, all those guys just move around. Clyde Edwards Lair. I mean, Jesus. I mean, all those guys on that offense, it's just hard to stop. And their defense makes enough stops in the game uh, to ultimately win them games. And I think they win this game by a 10 point game. I, I see this being. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say the Saints will win this football game. Oh. Uh, I think that they're, I think that the last couple weeks, last three weeks from the Chiefs haven't been very good. Um, they've let teams hang around. The Dolphins are clearly – they're 100% not as good as the Saints. The Saints are a complete football team. And I think the Chiefs' defense is just nah. – they're, they're, they're a team that's, that's based off big plays. So if you can eliminate, eliminate your turnovers um, and the special teams blunders, you're, you, you're going to have a chance against the Chiefs. People don't realize the Dolphins, the Dolphins missed a field goal and let up a punt return touchdown. Very uncharacteristic of, of a Brian Flores team. So you take those two things out, the Dolphins win the football game. I know that they're very big, but those are two huge plays that defense and special teams did for the Chiefs. So they're a big – so that defense thrives themselves on, uh, thrives on big plays, and most defenses do. But what I'm saying is, is they're not solid every single drive. And I think Taysom Hill is going to prove to be a problem because he's, they're going to run him a bit like Tebow. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna run him up the gut. They're going to run him on the right, and they're going to – he lowers his shoulders. He doesn't care. He's, he's going to fight every single yard, and they punch it in usually when they're down in the red zone. Kamara, uh, Murray, uh, Jared Cook, the, the list goes on. Michael and Thomas. The, the, yeah, Michael Thomas, the, the deep – well, I, who never – I never even know if he's playing or not. But um, the defense is legit too. If you saw the Dolphins got a, a bunch of pressure on um, – on, Pat, Pat Mahomes. So now the Saints are going to go in with a better linebacking group than the Dolphins have and a very similar D-line, maybe a touch better because they've got Cam Jordan and Trey Hendrickson coming off the edge. 
I think I think the Chiefs are going to have a huge problem on Sunday. And you know Sean Payton is going to circle this game from the beginning of the season. This is a signature dub for him. I think that the Saints roll. I, I think the Saints will win by like a field goal, maybe maybe even more. Wow. So we got a Saints pick there going with, I guess, the underdog technically uh, with the Saints. So a little bit of NBA news here real quick. I'm sorry, CJ, your Giannis hopes are over. Uh, I tweeted out every fanboy's fantasy of Giannis going to their team is over. Uh, he's back with the Bucks, five years, $228 million. Kudos to him, man. I mean, he's he, everyone else in the NBA is like, oh, I got to go form a super team. I got to go somewhere else. He's like, no, I'm just going to stay in Milwaukee. It's probably going to come back to bite him because I don't see him winning a ring in Milwaukee. I think if, if all you can get him is Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, I, that's not enough. I don't think they're going to have enough money to get him a better two-star. But you know what? Good for the NBA. It's not just this league where everyone plays with their buddies and their friends and they form these super teams. There's at least some loyal people. So good for Giannis. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, that Giannis – and I think the, I think he made the right move for him in all honesty. Actually, I take that back. I don't, in terms of winning in his career, I don't think he made the right move. In terms of stats – Yes, he made the right move. I think that by the end of his career in Milwaukee, he will be the you know he will lead basically all major categories there. I know Kareem played there, but Kareem's big years were were, were in Los Angeles, if I am remembering correctly. Um, yeah, I think his legacy in Milwaukee will be legendary. But who really cares about Milwaukee? Um, I think you know what what a lot of these sports analysts say. It's a very coastal league. Uh, the Miamis, the New Yorks, the Boston's on the east side of the. Uh, of the um the country dominate that that conference in terms of popularity and free agent signings and then you go to the west side and it's the la's and the and and whatnot golden state you know it's it's a very coastal league and players want to be in that tropical weather and you know i applaud Giannis for staying there i mean they gave him the bag i mean gosh like what more can you ask for? They gave him an unreal amount of money. The um, largest contract max. ever, I think. Yeah, they gave him the super max. So good for him. But in terms of winning a ring, I don't think he's ever going to do it in Milwaukee. Um, people don't realize that LeBron's probably got three more years of like legitimate finals basketball left in LeBron. And he's not going to be losing to Giannis. Um, and teams in the East are, are gearing up. I mean, do you think that Giannis is going to be able to beat Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? No, Giannis last year looked horrific against a, uh, against a Heat team that just threw the lunch pail at him, and they just were like, "Yo, have at it! We got a bunch of athletic bigs that are just gonna we're gonna make you foul and we're gonna foul you, and it's gonna be a tough game." So that blueprint is there for the rest of the league. If anybody watched that Miami Heat game, Heat series, everybody knows, "Hey, this is how we're gonna beat Giannis." And past Giannis, I don't really like the rest of their team in terms of clutch moments in the playoffs. But hey, the Heat didn't the Heat didn't get Giannis. Uh, like a lot of cocky Heat fans thought. So uh, we did take the L on that, and I own up to that. I did believe that Giannis would, would leave Milwaukee eventually and go to Miami. Um, but I do believe that Pat Riley uh, has some vengeance and in, in, in revenge in his heart, and he's got he sees blood in the water. He wants to beat LeBron James. LeBron left Miami. LeBron left Miami partly because he didn't really like, like Pat Riley was like, I'm going to be calling the shots and running the show in terms of free agent acquisitions and draft picks and whatnot. Just please like, like focus on the team and whatever. And you know, LeBron, he likes to go somewhere and he wants to be the GM, Jacob, you know that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He's going to say who to sign. He's going to say what buddies he wants on the team. He's going to say who to draft. That's, that's LeBron. Everything goes through LeBron. Right. So 
Pat, Pat wasn't with that. He left. So LeBron left and it left the heat in shambles because of the fallout of having LeBron leave is insane. So I think Pat's going to, Pat's going to do his best to, to piece together a roster. And there's a lot of talks about James Harden. There's been talks about Bradley Beal. Who knows what's going to happen, but I know, you know, that Pat Riley is always, always, always looking to get the team better. And he wants another finals before he uh, retires. And I can guarantee you Pat Riley would want to just beat LeBron and those Lakers once in the finals. And then he'd be like, all right, I've done it. I've done it all. I'm hanging up my hat. So who knows, but um, yes, we lost out on Giannis, but I do believe that the heat have some, something else up their sleeve. They definitely do. It's just a question of, do you give up the heroes, the Duncans, the young players? It's going to be really interesting to see because they might just say, hey, we've got a young D-Wade here with Tyler Hero. I, I'm not saying he's that good. Obviously, D-Wade's one of the best shooting guards ever. But Hero's been pretty amazing, and he's 20 years old. So they might be saying, we'll, we'll play the long game. We don't got to pay him a lot of money. Uh, if we've got a guy that's shooting really well, that's feeding the offense with Jimmy Butler and Bam, and we don't even have to pay him a lot of money, I mean, financially, team success-wise, you've got your guy. Do you even need James Harden? So I think a lot of teams are looking at that right now. You know, if you bring Harden over, I mean, I've looked at Brooklyn. It's not going to work. Harden's not going to work in Brooklyn. Kyrie and KD need the ball all the time. You cannot possibly distribute it three times. Russ and Harden couldn't even do that. And then where else can you go? Philly? Philly already said we're not going to give up Ben Simmons, which I don't understand that at all. Ben Simmons has made two three-points in his entire career. Uh, I think Harden would be a major upgrade. Harden and Embiid, who knows what could happen. But, uh, you know, we'll probably see a Harden trade soon. And uh, on social media, it was trending last night. Harden's got a bit of a gut. So he's doing everything he can right now uh, to get out of Houston. He's like, hey, I'm going to get fat. I'm not going to try. I want out of here. So he's been a little bit of a bitch as far as I'm concerned. But you know what? You do you, James Harden. So uh, real quick here, I'm going to do a little quick baseball signing. James McCann, the catcher. Uh, from the Chicago White Sox, four years, 40 with the Mets. Steve, we talked about this on our like two-hour strictly uh, baseball pod where we just kept going through free agents. Uh, this kind of screws over Real Mutual a little bit. Where does he even go now? We were talking about it. The Mets were the team that needed the catcher, that had the money. They decided to go after McCann. Where does he even go? Because the Phillies are like, hey, we've lost a bunch of money. We can't sign anyone. Who else has the money that needs an actual catcher? Because the Dodgers have one, the Cubs have one. The Yankees are like, yeah, Gary sucks, but he's $500,000 a year, so we're going to keep him and hope he does well. So where else does he go? I'd say Angels. That That's really the one team I look at, yeah, that makes sense for him. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Your mic's off again. No, it makes sense because they need offense. Uh, they need some more runs, production to you know potentially get them to the playoffs. So I, I see the Angels being a good fit for them. But at the end of the day, I think Real Muto is going to have to just either ultimately take a pay cut for a year and tell teams, hey, I'll come join you. Whoever's in, a, in the need for a catcher that is making a playoff push, has any aspirations of making a deep run, hey, sign me to a – I don't know what the ballpark number would be. Probably pretty expensive. I mean, he's the best catcher in baseball. I was going to say, like, if, if, if some team can afford a one-year $10 million deal, one-year 15 mil – it's a good catcher. He stays healthy. It's a lot of runs that you could add to your lineup. Uh, I don't know who has the the money to do that, who's in the in the market for it, but the Angels makes most sense. Um, but I think you're going to see him hold out uh, until early spring training until someone uh, budges because I think he, he's well-deserving of a payday, but I think the Mets really screwed him over by the McCann deal. 
Yeah, and and but and also though, it is a great move for the Mets. I mean, they needed a legit catcher that could hit. I know McCann's yep. only had two years really ever that he's been good, but that just tells you if you're a catcher in baseball and you have a year and a half where you do well and you get paid forty million dollars, it's pretty insane. I mean, that's all you need to do at the catcher position. That's how weak it is. Um, so yeah, that's what's going on in baseball. And then I'm looking at the other signs. There's not much going on right now. Uh, LeMayhew's still out there, other guys. So uh, I did tweet about Hunter Renfro, too, going to the Red Sox, your guy yep. from Tampa. And I tweeted out Kenny Pitch because uh, yep. uh, they need a pitcher. And uh, Connor Martin, friend of the pod, he uh, he commented on that and he said, good one. Uh, so yeah. they, they just need pitchers, man. I don't get what they're doing. Exactly. They, they went and signed a guy who's in a bat probably around 200, probably hit 30 homers in that park. But that's the only 30 hits he's going to have all year probably. But <laughs> I just don't see that working out in Boston. Um Real quick, too, uh, I was reading an ESPN article just now as you all were talking about NBA. Uh, they're going to – the Rays – There's someone wrote this beat article saying that the Rays might package Snell and Kiermaier to be sent off to teams. Wait, what did you say? The Snell and Kiermaier? Snell and Kiermaier in a package deal. Like, they're doing trade scenarios, and they say they would package up Snell and Kiermaier in one deal. And I'm reading what they're going to get in return for these guys, and I'm like, God damn it. It's. I'm telling you, it's the yearly just – dismantling of the race it, it, it is it's you even said it too. you said on the pod you're like i'm tired of blake snell man i mean we're trying to get him on the pod and everything but you're like i'm tired of him he kind of needs to go now yeah my friend gage he's like yeah if if blake snell gets traded i might kill the gm like <laughs> he's always over with snell and shit and he's like yeah if, he, if he's gone i am literally i'm done with this team but yeah no if they can get a package deal for snell and get a lot of pro get majorly ready guys get some prospects and if they get a great return like they did in the glass now deal with archer i mean i'll i'll take it great i mean i like snell but i think if you can get a return for him and get rid of kiermaier too you're unloading a ton of cap space which is huge and you can that's leaves a ton of room for you to sign guys that you really need for your future so uh, that was some news i it, not that it's gonna happen but they, they were saying um five trade scenarios that kiermaier and snell go to um, a different home. So we'll see. It'll definitely be interesting. So we're going to talk about that later this week on strictly baseball. We're going to have a top five. I think we're doing catch uh, top 10, actually top 10 catchers first. Um, and we'll have that this weekend uh, at some point, same thing with strictly hockey. We skipped this week. I know we said we were going to do every week. We were honestly waiting for the, st- the uh, realignment to figure itself out. Cause they're talking about the central. We were going to do the central division preview this week. And they're talking about, okay, maybe they're going to swap out some teams. So we were kind of waiting. But regardless, we're going to do top five centers this weekend. And we're going to preview the Central Division in the NHL. So that'll be this weekend on Strictly Hockey. We've got Strictly Baseball. I'm going to do Strictly Yankees soon. We're going to do it with Mark Papaleo. He hasn't been on the show yet. He's a Yankee fan, friend of mine. So he'll be coming on that. And then Strictly Rangers will be back soon as well. Uh, so we had a lot to talk about today. It's going to be a big weekend in college football, all the championship games. Then we've got the NFL this weekend, Saints, Chiefs, Standings, Mayhem. It's all going down this weekend. Hope you guys enjoyed this week. You can listen to us on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Strictly Sports P and on Facebook and Instagram at Strictly Sports Productions. For CJ Uri and Stephen Cashin, I am Jacob Brown, and we will see you next time.